We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, Kyle here. Before we get going with today's pod on Major League, I want to make a slight correction. Around the 37-minute mark, Darren and I discussed Jake Taylor's bunt and run to win the Indians the final game against the Yankees. When we begin discussing, I state that there were no outs in the inning when Jake lays down the bunt. Correction, there were actually two outs, which in my opinion makes the decision even more egregious because as Darren and I discuss, there's no way that Jake Taylor beats out that ball with a third baseman crashing. If you can get over that, please subscribe and share, leave a five-star review, and I hope you enjoy today's pod. Let's get going. Welcome to Trouble with the Script, a sports movie podcast that appreciates a little authenticity. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. Trouble with the Script is a sports movie podcast focusing almost exclusively on the sports-centric content of sports movies. What worked, what didn't work, and what could have been done to fix it. Today, I'm super psyched to have my guest on, host of USA Baseball's Covering the Bases podcast, Darren Vaught. Darren, how are you doing, man? I am excellent. Kyle, what's going on, man? It's been so long. It has. It has been. uh, Darren and I met in the summer of 2010 playing for the Roanoke Rails of the Carolina-Virginia League Collegiate Summer Ball. I don't even know if that league still exists, but back then, that, that was the league. Yeah, I I would not be able to tell you. Uh, the Rails, I know, at least were in existence for what... I, I kept up with them and played against other guys that played there for the next two to three years. Otherwise, I don't even know that they exist anymore. Yeah, but. I played in... Uh, I, I went back again in 2011, I and then I uh, went to Reno for a summer, and then I went finished up with the Rails in 2013. But yeah, for... Anyone who doesn't know the Carolina Virginia League, which has to be almost everyone listening, it is uh, it is far from the Cape in geography, and it is even farther from the Cape in uh, in talent, in quality of play for sure. <laughs> but uh, but it, it was not a it was a really fun team. Uh, I think we had a good group. Uh, it was not a good team. I don't think we we no, put many wins in. Lo- not in the least. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we had many wins on the board. But it was a good good time. I don't know. Uh... I would have to think hard, Kyle. I don't know that I got a hit that summer. I might have uh, just absolutely been uh, uh, pulled a complete offer for the summer. I think I've put anything from on field in that summer just out of my mind completely. <laughs> yeah, but uh, 
Before we get going, um, Darren, real quick, uh, talk about what you're doing for USA Baseball uh, as, as far as this podcast and what you have coming up that you can that you can talk about. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so I've been doing play-by-play and some other things with USA Baseball for four years now, including you know calling their uh, summer collegiate their um, collegiate national team games every summer, and they just recently brought me on to do a lot more. Uh, some video press releases, um, voiceovers for other video work they do, and then the podcast, which you mentioned, which is one episode in. I guess by the time you drop this, we'll be two in. Um, episode one was with Scott Brocious, former New York Yankee, World Series MVP. Um, and then episode two is with Danny Duffy, who was on the World Baseball Classic team that won most recently for the U.S. and, of course, a starting pitcher for the uh, Kansas City Royals. Um, I, I It's very conversation-based. We describe the podcast as a, a celebration of baseball. And, uh, you know, we've got some, some cool stuff planned for it, to be honest. Uh, USA Baseball runs the Golden Spikes, or or at least is a partner in the Golden Spikes Award program. So we'll have that winner once it's announced later in the summer. Uh, we'll have more big leaguers who are alumni of, of USA baseball teams. Jessica Mendoza of ESPN is set to join us a little bit later this spring. Uh, it, it's a monthly as of now podcast. It'll be twice per month during sort of the, the heavier baseball season months over the summer. Uh, that's yeah, me the, personally, that's, I'm hoping it picks up. Yeah, no, Cause, well, because <laughs> I really enjoyed the first episode. I, thanks, man. I appreciate that. And uh, I, I'm having a lot of fun with it. And because of that, I'm kind of hoping it does the same. Uh, you know, we've got a couple of interviews in the can, and 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 I just, you know, you get something like that recorded, and you you believe it's good, and you worked hard at it, and you just you just want people to hear it. So, um, I, I'm having a, a lot of fun with the USA Baseball stuff, including the podcast. So I appreciate you mentioning it. Of course. And all that being said, that's why you are the perfect choice. That's why I'm excited to have you on. Because today we're talking about Major League. I want to put together a team that'll help us relocate to Miami. You want us to lose? We've been losing. What I want is for us to finish dead last. This year, the Cleveland Indians have a multi-talented team. Haywood swings and crushes one towards South America. Major League. That ball wouldn't have been out of a lot of parks. Name one. Yellowstone. For those of you who haven't seen Major League, uh, obviously I highly recommend it. Um, the new owner of the Cleveland Indians puts together a team purposely horrible so they'll lose and she can move the team. But when the plot is uncovered, they start winning just the spider. Darren, first question before we get going, where does this rank for you in terms of sports movies? Uh, that's a good question. It's up there. Um, I, I think... I favor baseball movies. If I really had to be honest with myself, Bull Durham is my is my favorite ever. Um, and same same here. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah. There's there's we could be doing this episode on Bull Durham and and it would last five minutes because there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, uh, so that's number one. This one is just it's it's a classic. I, I think it maybe gets some flack for being a bit sticky and kind of by the book. But it does it so well that uh, 
I, it, I, you can't really have a complaint about it um, in, in whole. It might, it might be number two behind Bull Durham. If not, it's close. I mean, it's great. It's super rewatchable. It's still really funny. And um, as we're going to get into the uh, the baseball action is, I, I think, great. You know, as good as any movie has, honestly. Yeah. Last question before we get into what worked. And this is more uh, plot related. So I said, you know, the, the, the plot of the movie is this new owner, uh, this, this heiress uh, of a guy named, the wife of a guy named Donald, which is just, you know, yeah, that's, that's, age, that's, age, that's age well. <laughs> um, so she, she builds this, this whole horrible team. And I just, I have to ask, so did, do you think she released like the entire 40 man when the season ended and started over from scratch? Because it's really like they bring back Harris and Dorn <laughs> and then it's like they invite like the bunch of new guys to spring training. It's just, that's the only thing. It's not even like something that didn't work. It's just kind of like a throwaway nitpick but like it's like did she just did she just cut the whole organization short like can can you imagine baseball beat writers dealing with that now <laughs> you but you're right with this movie you have to dig that deep right to find uh parts that don't quite align but it, then again i mean how how else are you supposed to start a movie like that unless unless you're literally starting the team from scratch uh i can't exactly. imagine i can't especially as embattled as cleveland sports writers are uh anyway just because of their teams can you imagine if a new owner were to come in for, to any of those franchises and just dump the entire roster <laughs> it'd be it'd be incredible <laughs> um let's swing that right into what worked and honestly, like what worked, I mean, they didn't like plan this right now, but a team tanking and trying not to compete is ahead of its time because yeah. it's happening right now over almost half of Major League Baseball, it seems like. Yeah, no. And that's an excellent, excellent point. Uh, it's something I didn't even really put much thought into, but especially when you consider how how a film ages I mean that's dead on, right? I mean you yeah. could you could I mean, make this movie in 2019 and build it around a tanking plot and it and it totally holds up. Yeah, I mean without the the maliciousness of the owner like wanting to lose so she can move to Miami. I mean this is basically every half of the GMs now wanting to lose so they can load up their draft pool. Yeah. <laughs> uh that's 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 an incredible point, Kyle, man. That's that's wacky. So what else? Do you, what what works for you about Major League Baseball wise? Because it's a long list, I think. Yeah, um, I I love the apathy toward the team in a lot of ways. Uh, it, for instance, at one point, there's the is it the dinner party that Jake walks into of of Lens, or maybe like there it's a reading party. Or yeah, something, yeah, that something when of, he when he follows her when he like follows her to that place. <laughs> yeah, uh, and. The, I guess, higher class people of Cleveland there didn't even realize that there was a team anymore. But at the same time, it's perfect because you've got the uh, the fans, the loyal fans who are there day in and day out, like the five of them, uh, who it, it just shows the two completely different worlds of fandom in in a major league market. Uh, especially with a team that has been struggling, right? You've got a handful in this case of people who who live and die with the team, and in this this particular instance, they've just been living in this depressing lull because the team has been bad for so long. 
It's uh, basically like the people going who who still went to every Tigers game last year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or no. Orioles, Orioles fans right now. That too. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I love I love that they captured the the essence of fandom, even though that's just a just complete aside in the movie itself. Um, I, I think overall. The just the general storytelling is fantastic with this movie. They they really capture like pennant race drama in a way that not many sports movies can do successfully and cleanly without making it seem chunky, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the big series they just build up to big moments on the field, and they let because this is not necessarily the case with with a lot of sports movies. They let the baseball do the work in some cases for the storyline. They it's not a plot that that a baseball team happens to be the vehicle. The baseball that the team is playing is part of the plot. Mm-hmm. It gets it it gets it moving. So they it gets to a point I think when um when Lou Brown the manager he meets with the GM Charlie and he's you know I think they're sixty one and sixty or they're sixty and sixty one something like that. And that's what's moved the the point to that moves the plot. Cause then Charlie says, you know, you've done really good. And then um, he's like, here's something you ought to know about the, about, you know, why you guys were so disadvantaged from the beginning, why I think you've done so much better than you were supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that there's that aspect. Um, I think the score plays to that, the, the drama uh, this is from a, filmmaking perspective maybe you know pulling ourselves away from the the sports specific the score is fantastic in yeah, this but you one. need that in a sports movie because if it goes too corny or just too over the top it, it hurts the film it hurts the the feel of of watching that sport yeah no for sure but this one like i, I sing this one in my head sometimes what like it's like do 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 like the big moments it's it's just perfect I also loved like the low key spring training, the kind of the the spring training theme. Yeah, oh, it's like the, it's like the light bouncy one. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's perfect too. That's uh, the God. They they really did well with the music. The uh, baseball action in general too looks really good. There's almost nothing to complain about. Um, I I did a little uh, the small deep dive. I know in spring training they used. Uh, baseball players at the University of Arizona as extras. Yeah. Um, but it, it all the baseball action, like, you know, snap throws, swings, you know, everything looks seems to look good. Yeah, uh, um, with, with a couple of exceptions, I would say, but nothing yeah, looks and horrible. Yeah, we'll get to those exceptions in a little bit. Yeah, um, but but I, I also read that, uh, as is commonly the, the case with sports movies these days, they sent the main members of the cast to sort of a boot camp-like session for for I think it would I read that it was like six weeks that these guys were were learning to to do baseball things right and it's 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 a choreography of sorts yeah it um, pays off uh, on this uh the the second episode of this podcast so last week uh when you're listening to this we did a league of their own and they did the same thing with those actresses they basically put them in a baseball boot camp and something like that pays off because there are a lot of movies where it looks like either they didn't do that or they just found the most unathletic people on the planet yeah <laughs> 
It's amazing. Uh, I, I'm I'm struggling to come up with an example right off the top of my head, but so, it's amazing the movies that will use sports as the driving force that, that they just don't bother uh, portraying accurate athletic movement. I mean, we'll take the the pseudo namesake of this podcast, Trouble with the Curve. <laughs> yeah, awful. Yeah. They did a terrible job. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, but Major League did a, I mean, everyone, almost everyone looks like they can play. Um, I mean, and obviously they stocked it with extras who could play, but even the, the main actors. Um, but, uh, something else I liked, uh, Pedro Serrano being really superstitious. Now, like in baseball, there's not usually a guy who's practicing voodoo, but that level of superstition is definitely a thing in baseball clubhouses. So I really liked that aspect. Yeah. I, I, you know, in, in thinking back on it, it makes you wish that they would have. Well, I guess they did with Eddie Harris sort of adopting his ways. Like, like, look, Pedro Serrano was was maybe slightly a little racist of a character. A uh, little bit. Just a little bit. But, 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 but at least they acknowledged that, like... Hmm, the old-fashioned white guy would buy into it if it worked. Like, <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing about baseball. It's like uh, the you know one of the greatest scenes in Bull Durham. Yeah, I feel like it's the the gold standard. But when he's uh, he's blessing his bat with the chicken bone, yeah, and the guys, the other guy on the team is asking him for some of that chicken bone because he just needs a hit. So that's <laughs> yeah. that's part of baseball. So but it's dude, not I'll use anything as long as yeah. I can get a hit, and, that, and that's perfect. That's it. That's yeah. A, it's just it's casual stuff like that. It's uh like you buy um you buy Tom Berenger as a savvy veteran catcher. Yeah, yeah. Not I mean maybe not quite. It's funny you mentioned Bull Durham again, and and I again it's the gold standard. I'm gonna exactly. sort of compare. You're gonna compare it to everything. Yeah, I'm gonna compare him to Crash Davis or, or Kevin Costner as Crash Davis, and it's it's like sort of in line with that. It's the B level Crash Davis in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you feel. Um, I I think Berenger is great in this movie just as an actor, like. You feel Jake's desperation to be back and like to be happy and be back in the big leagues and like it, it that um kind of like his uh oh what 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 am I looking for like his redemption because I mean when they first call him he's you know he's in a cheap motel in Mexico oh yeah um, <laughs> which again again it's like it's kind of uh kind of shtick. Because it's yeah, when he wakes up with a sombrero, it's a little bit predictable, right? He wakes up hammered, drunk, sombrero hanging over his face. Oh, this is my callback to the bigs. Uh, (laughs) But they do it perfectly, right? It's just it's predictable, but when you execute it so well, it's hard to complain. Yeah, I mean they do it. You know the whole the whole thing and the uh, I love like the spring training montage. Um, Just guys guys showing up. Something else that. that that is great is uh Bob Uecker. I don't know how we haven't talked about him yet, but yeah, he's no, I don't I don't know how we're like what 10 15 minutes in and haven't talked about that. I the number 1 numbers 1 and 2 on my list of what worked about this film are Bob Uecker and the score. So the Tribe drops its third straight on this trip 6 to 1 to the Rangers. For the Indians, one run on, let's say, one hit. That's all we got one goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. Because I think it's great in a lot of other ways, but those two things, to me at least, sort of are, are the 
they piece everything together, right? You mentioned Jake Taylor in from scene to scene is good, but you got to have something to carry you through. And Euchre, I mean, especially when you consider the fact that through much of these scenes, he apparently improvised his lines and would just go off of what he heard big leaguers actually in Milwaukee say to each other when they're trashing each other all the time um what was the line he leads leads the league in batting average and nose hair for one guy or home runs and nose hair um and that's uh is that Haywood is that the the yeah clue clue Haywood it's uh he he does another one I think in, in major league two where it's uh you know something with all those uh felonies and all or something all the whatever like he accuses a guy of a crime basically and his assistant Monty is like I think those are parking tickets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Monty's great too. Just the dynamic of those uh but man, Euchre makes this film, right? And all he's great. Of the he, famous I mean, he's lines. the narr- essentially like the narrator for the team. Yeah. Um he he's perfect. I mean, and he's the thing about him, why he's so good, or just like proof that he's so good, is his lines are still quoted. Like a, when a guy will just let one rip outside, you always do it just a bit outside. Yeah, when and, a guy throws like a is, wild pitch outside, yeah, it's universal, right? Any baseball team or league or culture uh, at any level, you people know what you're talking about when you say just a bit outside. Um, <laughs> It, yeah, he he's God, he's he's fantastic in this, and the fact that he is a baseball personality, and it's not just uh, uh, some actor that they assigned to this role to do it, it makes it better, right? I, I think in in the minds of of guys who are into the sport, like you and me are, um, I, I just think that that it serves a greater purpose in connecting it to the actual major leagues. I think it was legitimately the best casting choice. Yeah. I mean, and there were good casting choices in this in this movie. Um, but they they could have not done it any better than Bob Euchre. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, you know, I've got a couple other things on this one. I mean, it's a long list of what worked. Um, th- this is another subtle thing, but the Amex commercial that they film, that they're all like clearly being purposely bad actors yeah. like the athletes being bad actors in the corny amex commercial i, I love that touch when was this this was uh 89 so this was after like this is post super bowl shuffle and uh things like that that, that yeah. really sort of popularized the team appearance in in ads and in videos like that uh, so that's perfect. They captured that really well. I don't know that that necessarily translates to today because of the the marketing and and endorsements have just kind of grown and blown up to a point where you don't really see full teams on ads. Um, yeah, it's basically the player, and it's basically it's either Mike Trout or Bryce Harper at this point. Yeah, right. Because with a, with a sprinkle of Kershaw. <laughs> yeah, every now and then you bring in Kershaw, but. Um, but no, I mean, for the time that it was made, it, it was perfect. The and and uh, man, uh, Willie Mays Hayes sliding with in, the slide. never, never steal home without it. Just perfect, man. <laughs> it was great. Um, the the last one I got is um is the walk is Rick's walkout song, Wild Thing. I, I legitimately in the final you know the final game when he comes out to Wild Thing, I still get goosebumps. I love it. Give me one. You want one? 
I know he hasn't done very well against this guy, but I got a hunch he's due. Good job. Good job. And that was really ahead of its time because I want to just touch back on your conversation with Scott Brocious on your your first episode of your podcast. He kind of talks about walkout songs were just coming in vogue when he was like leaving the big leagues at the end of, you know, the 2000s or in the early 2000s. So Major League was kind of ahead of its time in in the walkout song, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it, well, especially for uh, like a closer, too, mm-hmm. uh, in that case, because the conversation with Brocious that you're referencing, he, he discusses Mariano Rivera and, and coming to the mound to enter Sandman, and that <laughs> he didn't really care. Brocious funny, too. I, I kind of like prodded and prodded. I was like, all right, well, if, if you were playing in 2019, what would be your walk-up song? He's like, man, I don't, I don't care. I never did. Uh, and and Mo was kind of the same thing. So it's cool to see that in, like, in 1989, they had this idea that a closer, a prominent player, should have entrance music uh, to get the fans riled up, and it really didn't even catch on until much later in the bigs. I mean, we're talking 10 or 12 years later, it really became a thing. And it's one of the best moments of the movie. It's something that if the movie is on, like if it's on cable, and I know that I've got, you know, it's coming up in like two commercial breaks or something, I'm like, well, I, I gotta I gotta stay until the, <laughs> until he walks, until the wild thing walk out. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I, we, could do, we could do an entire episode of this podcast on the cable version. Right? Did you see oh, it on yeah. TV enough to know like certain certain networks bleeped out certain things in well, this Well, Major way? League Two is on more, I think, because it's more cable friendly. You know, no joke. Major League Two is on right now, as you and I speak. <laughs> it's on MLB, it's on MLB Network right now. Nice. I had it. I had it on before uh, before we got on the phone. That's but perfect. That's why I think Major League Two is on more often because it's more cable friendly. Yeah, I think you're right. The so the one line. That sticks out to me, and uh, we haven't had the conversation about how you feel about profanity on this podcast. But I'll, oh, I'll... we we have the explicit tag, so you can <laughs> okay. you can you can let it fucking rip. Yeah, there we go. Um, so there's the one part toward the end of Major League, and it's after uh, Rick Vaughn has slept with Dorn's wife, and uh, there's that, the that there's that dramatic moment where Dorn in the in the game's most pivotal spot visits the mound and you expect him to rip into Vaughn for sleeping with his wife and he's like uh what does he say strike this motherfucker out is that what he yeah. says yeah yeah so the 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 I think it's the TBS version that I would most often see and hear and it's become a joke like even to this day as we're all like round about 30 years old my brothers and I will will say this to each other and it's strike this guy out. And, and it's it's so perfect. Like I almost would rather see that version when I watch that scene now. Um, but again, playing to the drama because 
you know, maybe predictably you expected Dorn to rip into him and 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 you got sort of the rally the the team in that instance, but uh, they did it so well. But that that's you mentioned the cable version, and that's the first and maybe the only thing that I thought of. Well, that scene is also another kind of like subtle thing that if you're really plugged into baseball, you've played before, you've been in, a, you know, been in a dugout, been in a locker room. That's actually something that's pretty realistic too, and works well because the the best teams really don't let anything that has happened off the field, especially like in in college or in pro ball, where you're spending all your time together on and off the field. Like you don't let a lot of times you do not let the best teams don't let something bad that has happened off the field bleed into what's on the field. So that scene actually really works. Yeah, no. And I don't know that that was the case necessarily for the 2010 Roanoke rails, but uh, no, no, no. We let, we let everything (laughs) Everything that happened off the field (laughs) come onto the field. Uh, But yeah, no good teams can compartmentalize that. And it, that's where they separate themselves from the the not as great teams, which is what this movie is about. In the end, it's it's the, them separating themselves from just a bunch of of guys in kind of a cobbled together roster that was intended to do poorly. So, um, speaking of doing, just speaking of doing poorly, let's transition <laughs> to what didn't work. Are there? I mean, I don't have a lot. It's very nitpicky stuff. Is there anything that jumped out to you that doesn't work? Yeah. So, uh, I have this issue with a lot of sports films, just being a play by play guy. There's this uh, common misconception that is portrayed in sports movies that the PA announcer is the radio play-by-play guy, and they are one and the same. Yes. So it's a little more forgivable for the time that this one was made because there was a time when the play-by-play guy did not have a full-on headset with a microphone, and he did, in fact, talk into the old-fashioned mic as, as a PA announcer would. He just did it hooked up to the broadcast rather than on the sound system. But... It's just it's it's a god it's a nitpicky thing. I don't know if you've seen um, Brockmeyer with Hank Azaria. Yes, with yeah. Oh, that's a great show. You, a fantastic show. And I what I love is that they immediately address this fallacy um, because in the opening scene he's this legendary broadcaster for the the Kansas City Royals and. That's how he's broadcasting. He's got the microphone, and he has this this huge rant and blow up because his wife is is this. Uh, he's discovered this, his wife is a sex addict and uh, sleeping around with with everybody in their neighborhood behind his back. So he finds it out, and he just he has this uh, outraged rant in in his broadcast booth, and the mic stays on the table, and he's wandering around the room, and they expect you to believe that the sound quality with him away from the microphone is the same on the broadcast. But then he gets to, uh, this is, what, 10 years later, I think they portray it as, and he gets to this minor league team, which is the only team in the States that would hire him after he's been international and on a, a, an endless bender for so long. But but they he walks into his booth and is like, all right, well, who's my who's my producer? You know what what's our what's our radio deal situation? And Amanda Pete, who plays the general manager in this in this show, 
explains to him that they don't have a radio deal and that his play-by-play is exclusively over the PA system, which I think is brilliant because I, I don't know that it would ever happen, but that's what it looks and seems like is happening in sports movies all the time. That's why you're the perfect person to have on this because <laughs> I would have never caught that. Dude, it's – it's and and you'll pay attention – now that you've you've heard me complain about it, you'll pay attention to sports movies and realize that it happens – a lot. Uh, Kurt Gowdy is is has the the special appearance in Summer Catch, for instance. He does the same thing. He, they they his his play by play is is portrayed as the PA announcements, which of course is absurd. That that yeah, because you, you you're never you're never playing. Yeah, you're never <laughs> playing a baseball game. Just hearing this guy talk the entire time. Yeah, of course, of course. So that's that's again, it's a nitpicky thing, but it's something that I've. I've observed a lot in my lifetime, my sports movie viewing lifetime. Um, that's that might be it. I'm trying to think of something else that almost didn't work. all my nitpicky didn't work stuff is almost all the the last game. The only thing that like really stand like Harris, they they're going with like the crafty vet thing for that character. And you know, and the actor does a good job, but he throws 61 miles an hour like it's plain <laughs> as day. Yeah. I mean, he just, I mean, I get that he's like, he's supposed to be like a right-handed Jamie Moyer, I guess, before Jamie Moyer. Sure. But I mean, that that guy was, I'm not even sure he could get the ball to the plate. He, so he that, that's like a nitpicky be, thing. No, but 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 it, when talking about the worst on-screen athletes in this movie, I, his, it, when you compare how he actually looks to how they they use him, uh, as as a player in the movie, that one just doesn't stack up, right? Yeah. <laughs> so in in Major League and in, in Major League One and Major League Two, they basically have one main pitcher who's pitching a lot during the scenes, and then Vaughn, who's like. So in the first movie, it's Harris and it's Vaughn, and then in the in Major League Two, it's this guy Shub, who I don't even think has an acting like a line, but he's just pitching in like four different scenes. <laughs> he's the guy who's pitching, and he actually looks like he could throw a baseball. It's like sure. they they improved it, but they didn't get a guy who could act apparently. <laughs> but um, yeah, Harris just has nothing in the tank. So every yeah, everything for me is pretty much the last game though. Um, so right, Lou leaving uh, leaving Harris in. When like he's just laboring like crazy, like he walks a guy to load the bases, and you hear uh, Harry Doyle say he's he's working on a seven. It's the ninth inning. He's like it's working on a seven hitter. And I'm like seven hitter is not that great. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, well, like that's you- part that's part of the beauty of of Harry Doyle or, or Bob Euchre as Harry Doyle in the movie too, in that uh, you know that that's probably a sarcastic line more than anything, right? I mean that's him taking his shot if you were to imagine it as a real life situation nobody's saying that on a broadcast no you're not you're not complimenting a guy for for working on a seven hitter late in the game when he just walked the bases loaded that's just it's just like uh, Lou Brown gets he gets like uh, praises guy who's just you know he's he's pressing all the right buttons and everything and he <laughs> motivates the team but he just he leaves Harrison until the ninth inning in a winner go home game. <laughs> Can you? Oh man, yeah, no, that's just. Uh... <laughs> so the only uh, like the biggest thing, the most nitpicky thing about actual on game action and strategy is when when Vaughn comes in. And Jake is not bothering to use runner on second signs. So like he's telling he's telling Clue Haywood, you know, fastball, whatever, fastball's coming. 
But it's one thing to be doing that, but it's another to just be putting down the one so the guy at second base can let him know that it's definitely a fastball. Like, he's not even fucking with him. He's definitely throwing him a fastball. Doing, not using runner on second signs for the best hitter in the league. Yeah, it was perfect that I was able to point out the broadcasting mishap. In here, it's perfect that you were you were able to point out the pitching mishap because, like, of course, right? He's, <laughs> uh, he's just a hard one, and, and it's it's so obvious too, right? Because uh, it's the forceful one. It's like, bring it, Vaughn! Like, give him the heater. <laughs> it's great, and I think the first one too. It's just how this movie has aged. I mean, I think it's thirty years now. Um, that the first one that like blows past him is like 95, which like, if you don't throw 95 now, you can't even start in the big leagues. No, for sure. <laughs> so. Like how, how many, how many fledgling pitchers are there in the minors right now that, that pump 95? <laughs> like, yeah. That's like crazy. out of the, out of the bullpen, like this, <laughs> like that's like, that's Jordan Hicks's warm up tosses. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. That's, that's a good, uh, indicator of the era. For sure, yeah. because there's really, yeah, there's really not much else. Um, the one, so Serrano we talked about was super, was really superstitious and was doing voodoo, and he gives it up in the last game because he whiffs on two curveballs. Like it's game one sixty two. Did he not hit all season? Like was he not hitting curveballs all season? And then finally, he's like, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's kind of the the, I think that's the idea, right? But at the same time, I, I mean, I don't. Uh, for sake of the movie, no one figured it out completely to just throw him exclusively breaking stuff, I guess. Uh, but that's a big moment. That's that's a no. You're trying to take that one away from me. I love that moment. <laughs> it's a good. It is a big moment. So the okay. So the last one I have. This isn't what didn't work. It's more of a. It's more of a. I'm, I'm asking you a question. Does okay. the button run work? That the button run in the final. So Hayes Hayes gets a leadoff knock or a leadoff walk or something. So they got no outs. With Jake coming up and Hayes swipe second. So you have two outs, or you have no outs and a runner on second base and in tie game. Are you really doing the button run and risking Hayes being thrown out at home with no outs? Probably not. Although I will say in 89, it's infinitely more acceptable, right? That's uh, true. Laying down the bun is more acceptable in 89. in 2019. I don't know how we rewrite the script, but it's it's for sure not Taylor, who like could barely walk into the batter's box calling his shot. I thought about this for too long today. So okay, so hypothetically, so Taylor is probably let's be generous. He's a 30 runner. Yeah. So we're going. We're just going the scouting scale, which goes uh, 20 to 80. Um, with 80 being like Serrano's power, 80 is Giancarlo Stanton's power, 20 is like David Ortiz running. Yeah. Um, so just being generous. Yeah. Say, say that, say Ooh, that Jake, Jake Taylor's a 30 runner. The third baseman, they, they do the thing. He lays down the bunt and he kind of like, he kind of like freaks out. He's like, Oh, he should have already been breaking cause he's breaking to the bag cause Hayes is stealing. So he's already on the move. Does Taylor actually beat that out? I feel like he's out by four steps because I feel like that if the ball is bunted hard enough that the third baseman goes and gets it. Yeah. No, he 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 there's no way he runs that out. So um, I mean that's it's a that's a deep dive, that's a deep nitpick, but it was just something I wanted to point out. No, I get it. I get it. And if you could change anything, I I think you find a way to rewrite that ending. 
So yeah, one of the categories is, is how do you fix it? How do you fix this movie? And there's really not, there's almost nothing to fix. But I, I think I would think of something else to uh, to fix. Any. I love Hayes stealing the bag and the whole crowd. It, it was essentially the Dave Roberts steal before the Dave Roberts steal in exactly. 2004 LCS. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know what? You don't need the 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 cuteness of of the bunt and calling your shot. And with a runner on second, you let Taylor get the, the game-winning hit, right? Yeah, I would love to see him because he they because they kind of allude to it because earlier when they, when they first get to Cleveland after spring training, he's out on the field by himself and he does the call a shot thing. So they kind of allude to that, but it would be great to see him just like, you know, you make a reference earlier in the movie about like, you know, it's not always about hitting the home run. You know, sometimes you got to go the other way, squeak one through the hole. He squeaks one through the hole, Hayes scores. Like, I think that that works a little bit better than the button run. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And again, that might be the only thing I would change about this movie. Same, same. It's, yeah, I mean, it's great. It's an all-timer um, for a reason. Let's go to who was your best on-screen athlete, and there's a lot. I want to, I guess, kind of disqualify two of them okay. real quick. Uh, Haywood and the Duke, who are the, basically the two bad guys on the Yankees because they were actual ex-big leaguers. Clue Haywood was played by Pete Vukovic, who was the 1982 Cy Young winner. And the Duke was played by Willie Miller, who was the is either Willie Miller or Willie Mueller, who was the uh, who pitched for the Brewers. Oh, I did not realize that. That's, I knew uh, about Haywood. I did not realize about the Duke until I did a little bit of digging via Wikipedia. Okay, nice. That's uh, that's really interesting to know. Okay, so I, I didn't have either of them on my best or worst list anyway. So that's but that's uh, that's good clarification. With best, I think Sheen looks like a really good pitcher. Yeah, I agree. I think he looks like he throws gas. I mean, apparently he did throw gas. Yeah, I, I, I evidently he got like scholarship offers to play D one ball somewhere. I don't yeah. know if it was as a pitcher, but uh, I think I read that Kansas offered him, um, which is insane. Uh, but I but, think he got clocked. I was again reading Wikipedia that he was well. He was taking steroids and he got clocked at eighty five, which especially like in nineteen eighty nine is absolutely nothing to sneeze at for a guy who does not play professional baseball. Does not play baseball in general. Yeah, I, I think I've read too. Didn't Euchre do an interview about that movie saying that like, oh, Charlie Sheen could have been in the bigs. He could have played like if he would have devoted his life to it, he could have played in the bigs. Um, I feel like I heard something about that, but I'm not. I'm yeah. not a hundred percent sure, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think he's the best athlete in the movie. Yeah, he, his delivery looks good. Like it's it's clean, it's fluid. Um, you know, he actually looks like he's he's throwing the ball with some intent there. Yeah, um, for sure. So honorable mention, uh, Hazbert does look like who plays Serrano and is now the All State man. Yeah, um, he <laughs> looks like he does look like his swing doesn't look bad, and it does look like he could hit the ball a mile for sure. Uh, and, and to to that point. I think his is really the only good-looking swing for a batter yes. on on their team. Um, because we'll, I guess we'll we'll get into worst athletes here in a second, but uh, yeah, Serrano's swing as an offensive player is the only one that looks really good to me. The others have have highlights and and aren't bad, but uh, his he looks like. 
and and I don't even know how big Haysbert is, but they make him look they make massive. him look massive. Yeah, he looks huge, especially when he walks into spring training, bald head with like that long, that long like black coat on or whatever. He just looks <laughs> yeah. so just looks intimidating. Um, honorable mention, best athlete to whoever was um, Behringer stunt double. You can tell they do a, they do shots where they cut away from his face. Um, there's one where it's a, a snap throw down to second Yeah, yep. that they, they, it's a clear cut (laughs) and the guy just rips a perfect, you know, a perfect throw and, you know, looks athletic. And then, um, the game where, uh, it's, it's uh wild things first complete game that one against the A's where he distracts the batter into popping straight up. They cut to a, a, a wide shot of him catching the final pop up. So you can't tell it's, it's not him. And his stunt double is clearly like a guy who played catcher. Yeah, no. For so sure. honorable mention to him. <laughs> That's a good one. Who's your, who's your worst? Uh, I, I do want to mention one more in in the best. Because, okay, okay. Hit. Because I think it's just from general athleticism. Uh, Wesley Snipes just looks like a guy. Not not necessarily. He was one of those that I, I think he's an example of a not great swing at the plate. He doesn't really look like he can play baseball super well. But he's just an athlete, right? Like he looks like a speedster on the base. Yeah, pads. the the sprint, the the scene where he he says shit, I've been cut already, and then runs, <laughs> yeah. uh, hops in the race. Like, yeah, he looks like an athlete. But in when he's PJs. actually, yeah. So he was actually he was on my worst athlete list, though. Oh, okay. I see. I respect that. Yeah, because there's the run and everything. And but then you see his swing. He's easily got the worst swing. I know he's having to, you know, his character is popping it up into the. Uh, yeah, you know, right straight up into the net. Yeah, but um, and I think I'm also a little predisposed to think that he just sucks because of white man can't jump, where he was clearly cannot play basketball. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a so good I, I was just predisposed. So he, I don't, he's obviously not, he's not the worst athlete they cast because like you, he clearly looks like he can fly um when he when he's running that race but so yeah that that's so, a, all right so it's interesting while, we're, we... while we're on snipes uh i've got a question for you because okay. i t- i take a lot of heat for this do you think omar epps was a better willie mays hayes in major League no Two? way no because way i and do I, no yeah oh that I just is liked a tough him better. take i i don't know what it is i i just i liked him better maybe it was it may it may have had more to do with the plot in that one because he, he like tries to become the power hitter and he's got a little more attitude. Um, I don't know. The plot d- for him was a little bit better, but I mean, as someone who was watching major league two, right before we started this plot, I was literally, I was watching the scene between him and Jake when they're watching like the clip with his movie with, with Jesse, the body Ventura, uh, black Go- thunder, white lightning. <laughs> yeah. Former governor of Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I was like thinking in my head, I was like, man, snipes was so much better. Nah, I can't. I can't get behind that. I don't know what Man, it is. This, this, this is going to be an agree to disagree because yeah, I think I think Snipes is the better Willie Mays Hayes. That's fine. That's fine. I can't. I, mean, I can't say I didn't expect that. So, uh, yeah, we'll move. We'll move on and agree to disagree. Who's your worst? Because I feel like it's kind of obvious. I, th- I it. I mean, it's it's got to be. It's between Chelsea Ross as Eddie Harris and Tom Berenger as Jake Taylor. Because, but I think in certain ways, both of them are intentional. Uh, yeah, they're supposed to be old and a little over the hill. And then Corbin Burnson as Roger Dorn is again sort of intentional because you know the main scene with him is is not being able to play defense. Um, 
So I, I don't know how I feel about a hard stance on any of those three just because I think it plays to the movie. But uh, no, Ber- Behringer is, is not convincing. As and I th- I, again, I love him in this movie as an actor. Uh, his chemistry with Renee Russo, who somehow we haven't mentioned because she's fantastic. She is. Uh, she's great in this movie. For you know, the on-field things, you just you accept them. You're like, all right, cool, whatever. I can I can live with that because he's he's integral in the the plot of this movie. Berenger and. Uh... And Corbin Burnson both have swings that look kind of like they're chopping wood. Yeah. Like, uh, I think uh, Berenger, Jake Taylor, the character, like, goes deep, like, oppo in one scene, like, kind of during, like, a montage or something, and it's just, you just don't buy it. Yeah. He, he, well, it, he's like, he he comes down from his shoulder and then does sort of like a figure eight to bring it back up to his opposite shoulder. Yeah. No, I yeah. know the exact swing you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Not convincing yeah, no. at all. Yeah, but I mean, they're yeah, they're supposed to be old and broken down, but um, you know, and I, I'm sure both guys, all three guys, were definitely in their 40s filming this. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And, and again, like I said, I, I, I don't know how hard I want to go into they're not good on screen athletes because that kind of played to it, and and mm-hmm. in you know in in the plot of the movie, these are said to be guys who should not be major leaguers and these three in particular just looked like they shouldn't be major leaguers and to their credit they all three acted like baseball players though they had like the savviness down like i i mean i love as a guy who like you know i'll like i loaded up the baseball sometimes like (laughs) (laughs) i I love harris going through like going through talking about it like if i could get my forearm super sticky with some rosin and a bunch of sunscreen like i did it every time yeah yep (laughs) so i love the whole harris you know the the rubbing snot on the ball thing and the crisco on his you know i i love that so and they made that in a in a totally different way but he did it well like his Mm -hmm. you know his his portfolio was was worth more than than any game or any win that the team could have bringing Uh, the contract on the field the all all all-time great moment of lou brown pissing on the contract yes god that doesn't work now because there are fans in the stands at spring training yeah (laughs) lou brown's dick would be on like tmz god that would be legendary though oh i know it is great it's a great moment i love love that moment darren what does this movie look like in 2019 ah i i don't know um it it you could do a lot of things similarly right uh i think you could have kind of the same plot honestly you could you could with maybe the slight correction just because of the the analytics nerds that would be watching and refusing to believe that someone thinks it's a good idea to bunt in the in the final scene but uh but we already addressed that i think you could even the awesome thing about a a, a hypothetical remake of this in 2019 bring back bob euchre yeah keep, he's still keep him, as long as we've got him let's use him for sure keep him on board absolutely um I think it's it's some of the casting decisions are, are pretty easy to me when you think about recasting. I think Willie Mays Hayes at this point it's Michael B. Jordan, right? No shit, I have that written down. <laughs> like I, I have Willie Mays Hayes Mike, as long me. as Michael B. Jordan can play ball, and he was in hardball, so he's got yeah, he's got experience. So oh, who was he? Was yeah. uh, Jamal in hardball? Yeah. yeah, 
<laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. So he's you know he's there. Um, you could bring uh, you could have Tom Berenger as Lou Brown if you if you really wanted to ooh, do it. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting twist. Okay. I mean, obviously not the same character. He wouldn't be able to play it sort of the same way. You, you yeah, would be, be changing a different the kind character of guy. a little bit. But that's a cool nod to the to the original. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I do like in remakes. If it was a remake too, I would not want to clone everything. Like I, I don't yeah. want a guy doing a Lou Brown impersonation. Exactly. No, for sure. Um, I've got written down as uh, as Jake Taylor. What do you think of Hugh Jackman? That's interesting. That's right? that's interesting. So I did, and this is kind of <laughs> this is kind of cheating. I guess I think this might be like a plug and answer for me because I did the <laughs> same thing last week with the League of Their Own. But for Jake Taylor, I've got John Hamm. Oh, okay. Because Hamm's a baseball guy. I had him as uh, last week in League of Their Own as uh, as Jimmy Dugan in 2019. So we're just gonna put we're just gonna put Ham in everything. I'm throwing Ham in every baseball movie I I can get him in, man. I've I've got so much Ham stock, and I just need I need to unload it. Uh, I this was it was kind of tricky even coming up with a couple of good ones for Taylor because like guys who are who are big names in acting now, it's tough to find that sweet spot like. They're either too young or way too old in in most cases that I I was looking at. Just as I, you go through names, and um, I had Russell Crowe written down as as a sort of off the board name. He might even be too old for it now. Yeah, he's if anything, he's probably like a Lou Brown. Yeah, yeah, which you could yeah you could get away with that for sure. Uh, but it, that speaks to the point, right? I mean, it's there's an age bracket here with Jake Taylor that it's really tough to hit on, and he can't be too pretty. So it's not like you're you're putting a Tom Cruise or a a Brad Pitt in there. I don't think. Um, so no, I, I I feel good about Jackman. Uh, although I like John Hamm. John Hamm's a good pick. Yeah, the thing if they were ever to remake this movie, though, I would just honestly like find guys who can play ball. Yeah, like first and foremost, if you find guys who can play ball, like I'm I'm fine with it. You know, just just make sure they can play ball. Yeah. That, well, what what franchise do you envision this with in 2019? Because it can't be with the Indians because they're awesome right now. Yeah. No, that's true. Um, I think the Rays jump out just because of their stadium situation and the fact that no one goes. Um, they got a lot of young talent. Like the Rays are a sneaky pick this year, but I think they make a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, because they're kind of a shit show off mm-hmm. the field uh, in terms of their front office and, and just that Getting whole situation. Getting a new stadium and Yeah, everything. the new stadium. So it, that would that would play to some some realism for sure because, you know, they could they could be swooped up and, and sent somewhere else in a heartbeat, it feels like, some seasons. Uh, maybe, I guess, the, <laughs> the Marlins have, have altered their – their candidacy in this over the past couple of years probably Um, yeah i would love i mean if if there's any franchise who should be skewered like this it's the marlins now the marlins have won you know two like i'm a twins fan the marlins have won two world series since the twins have won their their last one but i still think i'd rather be a twins fan because yeah just you know but the thing is they just got a new stadium that the city's on the hook for yeah, the Marlins aren't moving to Miami because they're in Miami. Um, but the the Marlins would be a good 
you know, would be a good one. Like maybe, you know, they get a new owner, um, but before the new owner took over the last owner, you know, even call him Jeffrey Loria, like jettisoned all the players or something. Yeah. Like basically, basically left the, left the team as like a dumpster fire. Yeah. Uh, no, that's an, that's an interesting one because you're right. You couldn't go Indians, but in keeping with the, the, the authenticity of the first, you'd have to get clearance from Major League Baseball and, and use actual teams. Uh, yeah. I, I think the Rays. The Rays could work. Maybe get a cameo, like a Dickie V cameo in here somewhere. Oh, it would be great. <laughs> That'd be great. You're just showing get- up at spring training, yucking it up well- with John Hamm. Would love that. Would love that. The only two kind of plot points, I think, that like definitely would stick out for 2019. So instead of Serrano having problems with the curveball, it's that Serrano puts the ball on the ground too much. So they're teaching Serrano launch angle. <laughs> yes, that's perfect. And then, and then instead of Hayes popping the ball up, they're teaching him how to walk. Yes. Yeah. Basically, because, I mean, Hayes is essentially Billy Hamilton before Billy Hamilton. Right. Just a fast guy you can't hit. Sort of a, um, I don't. In '89, what was Kenny Lofton's status at that point? Like, I mean, oh, granted, I Lofton know. was a much better player all around, but all the, Lofton, incredible Hall of Fame snub. Yeah, uh, but I always sort of envision Hayes as Kenny Lofton, especially with the Wesley Snipes casting. Like, they just he kind of has that look, and I'm. I'm I'm blanking on when Lofton's career really started, but uh, Lofton broke out. I pulled up baseball reference. Lofton broke out in 92 at age 25. He had played 20 games for Houston at age 24. And then at age 25 for Cleveland, he slashed 285, 362, 365, but he stole 66 bases. Yeah. So, so, I mean, obviously he's a better player than, than Willie Mays Hayes all around, but I've always just felt like Willie Mays Hayes was was based on Kenny Lofton or somehow Kenny Lofton based himself on Willie Mays Hayes. Kenny Lofton is also a much better player than many of the guys in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Fun fact. (laughs) Fun fun fact. Harold Baines. Jesus Christ. Oh, I know. God, that's that's for another podcast. (laughs) And uh, Darren... Thanks a ton for coming on this, man. I had a great, I had a great talk. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, this was a good time. I was, I was excited from the second you explained the concept. I think it's, it's uh, a lot of fun to look back at these movies and pick them apart, celebrate them in ways. Uh, so yeah, no, good excuse I, I to watch them too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this was one I went back and rewatched it, and it's like I hadn't actually taken the time to do that in years so i mean that that in and of itself was was worth worth the visit there will be a couple down the road where i'll be like oh my god i can't believe i have to watch this movie but major league is definitely not one of those uh it holds up well darren where can the people follow you and and keep in tune and touch with uh what you're going to be doing with usa baseball yeah for sure um on i'm on twitter i use that probably probably more than anything um i'm at darren vaught d-a-r-o-n-v-a-u-g-h-t uh you can subscribe to covering the bases the official podcast of usa baseball it's on uh apple podcasts google play as well as spotify so search covering the bases usa baseball you should be able to find it and uh yeah now look forward to everybody listening especially if you're you're particularly a baseball fan which i would imagine most of your listeners here are yeah and i'm i mean i'm 
I'm right in line. I'm, I'm really looking forward to your, your, uh, your next episode. Um, you guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Banduho. Uh, make sure you're following the podcast at Trouble Pod on Twitter, at Trouble with the Skirt Pod on Instagram. Um, make sure you're subscribed on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Uh, le- you know, rate and review, leave a five star review. Um, you know, share this with with anyone you know who's a sports fan, sports movie fan, anything at all. Um, you know, help us help us grow this pod and and keep doing it. Darren, thanks so much for coming on, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Kyle. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.